0: Chapter 45 of Jenny Gerhardt by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was while traveling abroad that Lester came across, first at the Carlton in London and later at Shepherd's in Cairo, the one girl before Jenny, whom it might have been said he truly admired, Letty Pace. He had not seen her for a long time, and she had been Mrs. Malcolm Gerald, for nearly 4 years and a charming widow for nearly 2 years more malcolm gerald had been a wealthy man having amassed a fortune in banking and stockbrokering in cincinnati and he had left mrs malcolm gerald very well off she was the mother of one child a little girl who was safely in charge of a nurse and a maid at all times she was invariably the picturesque center of a group of admirers recruited from every capital of the civilized world. Letty Gerald was a talented woman, beautiful, graceful, artistic, a writer of verse, and an omnivorous reader, a student of art, and a sincere and ardent admirer of Lester Kane. In her day she had truly loved him, for she had been a wise observer of men and affairs, and Lester had always appealed to her as a real man. He was so sane, she thought, so calm. He was always intolerant of sham, and she liked him for it. He was always inclined to wave aside the petty frivolities of common society conversation and to talk of simple and homely things. Many and many a time in years past, they had deserted a dance to sit out on a balcony somewhere and talk while Lester smoked. He had argued philosophy with her, discussed books, described political and social conditions in other cities. In a word, he had treated her like a sensible human being, and she had hoped and hoped and hoped that he would propose to her. More than once she had looked at his big, solid head, with its short growth of hardy brown hair, and wished that she could stroke it. It was a hard blow to her when he finally moved away to Chicago, at that time, She knew nothing of Jenny, but she felt instinctively that her chances of winning him was gone. Then Malcolm Gerald, always an ardent admirer, proposed for something like the sixty-fifth time, and she took him. She did not love him, but she was getting along, and she had to marry someone. He was forty-four when he married her, and he lived only four years, just long enough to realize that he had married a charming, tolerant, broad-minded woman. Then he died of pneumonia, and Mrs. Gerald was a rich widow, sympathetic, attractive, delightful in her knowledge of the world, and with nothing to do except to live and spend her money. She was not inclined to do either indifferently. She had long since had her ideal of a man established by Lester. These whippersnappers of counts, earls, lords, barons, who she met in one social world and another, for her friendship and connections had broadened notably with the years, did not interest her a particle. She was terribly weary of the superficial veneer of the titled fortune-hunter whom she met abroad. A good judge of character, a student of men and manners, a natural reasoner along sociologic, and psychologic lines she saw through them and through the civilization which they represented i could have been happy in a cottage with a man i once knew out in cincinnati she told one of her titled woman friends who had been an american before her marriage he was the biggest cleanest sanest fellow if he had proposed to me i would have married him if i had to work for a living myself was he so poor asked her friend Indeed, he wasn't. He was comfortably rich, but that did not make any difference to me. It was the man I wanted. It would have made a difference in the long run, said the other. You misjudge me, replied Mrs. Gerald. I waited for him for a number of years, and I know. Lester had always retained pleasant impressions and kindly memories of Letty Pace or Mrs. Gerald as she was now. He had been fond of her in a way, very fond. Why hadn't he married her? He had asked himself that question time and again. She would have made him an ideal wife. His father would have been pleased. Everyone would have been delighted. Instead, he had drifted and drifted, and then he had met Jenny, and somehow after that he did not want her any more. Now after six years of separation he met her again. He knew she was married. She was vaguely aware that he had had some sort of an affair. She had heard that he had subsequently married the woman and was living on the south side. She did not know of the loss of his fortune. She ran across him first in the Carlton one June evening. The windows were open and the flowers were blooming everywhere, odorous, with that sense of new life in the air which runs through the world when spring comes back. For the moment she was a little beside herself, something choked in her throat but she collected herself and extended a graceful arm and hand why lester kane she exclaimed how do you do i am so glad and this is mrs kane charmed i'm sure it seems truly like a breath of spring to see you again i hope you'll excuse me mrs kane but i'm delighted to see your husband i'm ashamed to say how many years it is lester since i saw you last I feel quite old when I think of it. Why, Lester, think, it's been all of six or seven years, and I've been married and had a child, and poor Mr. Gerald has died, and, oh dear, I don't know what all hasn't happened to me. You don't look it,' commented Lester, smiling. He was pleased to see her again, for they had been good friends. She liked him still. That was evident, and he truly liked her. Jenny smiled. She was glad to see this old friend of Lester's, this woman, trailing a magnificent yellow lace train over pale, mother-of-pearl satin, her round, smooth arms bare to the shoulder, her corsage cut low, and a dark red rose blowing at her waist seemed to her the ideal of what a woman should be. She liked looking at lovely women quite as much as Lester. She enjoyed calling his attention to them and teasing him in the mildest way, about their charms. "'Wouldn't you like to run and talk to her, Lester, instead of me?' she would ask, when some particularly striking or beautiful woman chanced to attract her attention. Lester would examine her choice critically, for he had come to know that her judge of feminine charms was excellent. "'Oh, I'm pretty well off where I am,' he would retort, looking into her eyes, or jestingly, I'm not as young as I used to be, or I'd get in tow of that. Run on, was her comment. I'll wait for you. What would you do if I really should? Why, Lester, I wouldn't do anything. You'd come back to me, maybe. Wouldn't you care? You know I'd care. But if you felt that you wanted to, I wouldn't try to stop you. I wouldn't expect to be all in all to one man, unless he wanted me to be. "'Where do you get these ideas, Jenny?' he asked her once, curious to test the breadth of her philosophy. "'Oh, I don't know. Why? "'They're so broad, so good-natured, so charitable. "'They're not common, that's sure.' "'Well, I don't think we ought to be selfish, Lester. "'I don't know why. "'Some women think differently. "'I know. "'But a man and a woman ought to want to live together, "'or they ought not to. "'Don't you think?' It doesn't make so much difference if a man goes off for a little while, just so long as he doesn't stay, if he wants to come back at all. Lester smiled, but he respected her for the sweetness of her point of view. He had to. Tonight, when she saw this woman so eager to talk to Lester, she realized at once that they must have a great deal in common to talk over, whereupon she did a characteristic thing, "'Won't you excuse me for a little while?' she asked, smiling. "'I left some things uncared for in our rooms. I'll be back.' She went away, remaining in her room as long as she reasonably could, and Lester and Letty fell to discussing old times in earnest. He recounted as much of his experiences as he deemed wise, and Letty brought the history of her life up to date. "'Now that you're safely married, Lester,' she said daringly, I'll confess to you that you were the one man I always wanted to have proposed to me. And you never did. Maybe I never dared," he said, gazing into her superb black eyes, and thinking that perhaps she might know that he was not married. He felt that she had grown more beautiful in every way. She seemed to him now to be an ideal society-figure-perfection itself, gracious, natural, witty, the type of woman who mixes and mingles well, meeting each newcomer upon the plane best suited to him or her. Yes, you thought. I know what you thought. Your real thought just left the table. Tut-tut, my dear, not so fast. You don't know what I thought. Anyhow, I'll allow you some credit. She's charming. Jenny has her good points, he replied simply. Are you happy? "'Oh, fairly so. Yes, I suppose I'm happy, as happy as anyone can be who sees life as it is. You know, I'm not troubled with many illusions.' "'Not any, I think, kind sir, if I know you.' "'Very likely not any, Letty, but sometimes I wish I had a few. I think I would be happier.' "'And I, too, Lester. Really, I look on my life as a kind of failure, you know, in spite of the fact that I'm almost as rich as Croesus. Not quite. I think he had some more than I have. What talk from you, you with your beauty and talent and money? Good heavens! And what can I do with it? Travel. Talk. Shoo away, silly fortune-hunters. Oh, dear. Sometimes I get so tired." Letty looked at Lester. In spite of Jenny, the old feeling came back. Why should she have been cheated of him? They were as comfortable together as old married people or young lovers. Jenny had had no better claim. She looked at him, and her eyes fairly spoke. He smiled a little sadly. Here comes my wife, he said. We'll have to brace up and talk of other things. You'll find her interesting, really. Yes, I know, she replied, and turned on Jenny with a radiant smile. Jenny felt a faint sense of misgiving. She thought vaguely that this might be one of Lester's old flames. This was the kind of woman he should have chosen, not her. She was suited to his station in life, and he would have been as happy, perhaps happier. Was he beginning to realize it? Then she put away the uncomfortable thought. Pretty soon she would be getting jealous, and that would be contemptible. Mrs. Gerald continued to be most agreeable in her attitude toward the Canes. She invited them the next day to join her on a drive through Rotten Row. There was a dinner later at Clare Ridge's, and then she was compelled to keep some engagement which was taking her to Paris. She bade them both an affectionate farewell and hoped that they would soon meet again. She was envious, in a sad way, of Jenny's good fortune. Lester had lost none of his charm for her. If anything, he seemed nicer, more considerate, more wholesome. She wished sincerely that he were free, and Lester, subconsciously perhaps, was thinking the same thing. No doubt because of the fact that she was thinking of it, he had been led over mentally all of the things which might have happened if he had married her. They were so congenial now, philosophically artistically, practically. There was a natural flow of conversation between them all the time, like two old comrades among men. She knew everybody in his social sphere, which was equally hers, but Jenny did not. They could talk of certain subtle characteristics of life in a way which was not possible between him and Jenny, for the latter did not have the vocabulary. Her ideas did not flow as fast as those as Mrs. Gerald. Jenny had actually the deeper, more comprehensive, sympathetic, and emotional note in her nature, but she could not show it in light conversation. Actually, she was living the thing she was, and that was perhaps the thing which drew Lester to her. Just now, and often in situations of this kind, she seemed at a disadvantage, and she was. It seemed to Lester, for the time being, as if Mrs. Gerald would perhaps have been a better choice, after all, certainly as good, and he would not now have this distressing thought as to his future. They did not see Mrs. Gerald again until they reached Cairo. In the gardens about the hotel, they suddenly encountered her, or rather Lester did, for he was alone at the time, strolling and smoking. "'Well, this is good luck,' he exclaimed. "'Where do you come from?' "'Madrid, if you please. "'I didn't know I was coming until last Thursday. "'The Ellicott's are here. "'I came over with them. "'You know, I wondered where you might be. "'Then I remembered that you said you were going to Egypt. "'Where's your wife?' "'In her bath, I fancy, at this moment. "'This warm weather makes Jenny take to water. "'I was thinking of a plunge myself.' They strolled about for a time. Letty was in light blue silk, with a blue and white parasol held daintily over her shoulder, and looked very pretty. "'Oh, dear,' she suddenly ejaculated. "'I wonder sometimes what am I to do with myself. I can't loaf always this way. I think I'll go back to the States and live.' "'Why don't you?' "'What good would it do me? I don't want to get married. I haven't anyone to marry now.' that I want.' She glanced at Lester significantly, then looked away. "'Oh, you'll find someone eventually,' he said, somewhat awkwardly. "'You can't escape for long. Not with your looks and money.' Oh, Lester, hush. "'All right. Have it otherwise, if you want. I'm telling you.' "'Do you still dance?' she inquired lightly, thinking of a ball which was to be given at the hotel that evening. He had danced so well a few years before. Do I look it? Now, Lester, you don't mean to say that you have gone and abandoned that last charming art? I still love to dance, doesn't Mrs. Kane? No, she doesn't care to. At least, she hasn't taken it up. Come to think of it, I suppose that is my fault. I haven't thought of dancing in some time. It occurred to him that he hadn't been going to functions of any kind much for some time. The opposition his entanglement had generated had put a stop to that. "'Come and dance with me tonight. Your wife won't object. It's a splendid floor. I saw it this morning.' "'I'll have to think about that,' replied Lester. "'I'm not much in practice. Dancing will probably go hard with me at my time of life.' "'Oh, hush, Lester,' replied Mrs. Gerald. "'You make me feel old. Don't talk so sedately. Mercy alive.' You'd think you were an old man. I am in experience, my dear. Pshaw, that simply makes us more attractive, replied his old flame. End of chapter forty five.